Lots of pillows. There's gonna be oceans of lots of fish in here. There's gonna be swimming pools. Food and a big table. Uh, heaven's gonna be full of superheroes. I have wings to fly in heaven. Polly Pocket. Yeah, he always gets in trouble. Sometimes you have to get spankings or get in timeout or even get locked in his room. I uh, got one baby sister. My mommy and daddy. Jesus and God. My dog and King get to go in heaven. And my puppy's like this. Uh, hey, mommy and daddy. My Nana, my papa, my cousins. The mice and my old house get to go to heaven. My Nana's dog, Molly. My daddy's dad, dad will be in heaven. My doggy gets to go to doggy heaven. Um, and my grandpa down. Because um, he died when he was sick. Pizza. Polly Pockets and puppies and uh, all the things we want to have in heaven. I want to give you a glimpse of heaven today as we continue this part three in our series, The Afterlife. And, uh, you know, I always make the 11 o'clock service do this, but we have the time to do it. And I always think we should give honor to God's word. Will you just stand for me as we read God's word together? We want God to speak to us today. We want him to talk to us. And my prayer for you today is that uh, something will happen to you. You will, you will have an awakening about the reality of heaven. Listen to this incredible passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. What a great vision of what heaven's going to be like, that we'll be with Jesus. And all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving for all the people that are coming to heaven. And God will receive more and more glory. And then he says this, this is why we never give up. Even though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. He's talking about some perspective here. We don't look at the troubles we see right now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Isn't that an awesome passage of scripture? Let's just pray together. Holy Spirit, open our hearts to you. We hold, uh, we hold nothing back. We pray that you'd reveal to us the glimpses of heaven from your word and change our lives by it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That was the cry. That was the heartfelt prayer of every believer in the first century who heard these words from Paul. They lived under so much persecution, so much pressure, so much opposition. Life was so difficult that they longed for what they called the blessed hope, the return of Jesus. And Paul was saying, like all the New Testament writers, this incredible theme, fix your eyes not on the now. Don't look at all the things that are happening. You know, I, I'm fully aware of your pains and your, and your wounds and the problems and the pressures and the frustrations and everything that's going on. But listen, in light of what you're going to receive, in light of this glory that's going to outweigh everything, fix your eyes on heaven. And so they would pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And throughout the centuries, people have prayed and they've longed for heaven. They have said, God, we will live our lives today in the light of eternity, knowing that this is not all that there is. It has been a sustaining force in the hearts of people throughout the centuries. Think about even in the history of our own country, in that dark time when slavery uh, ruled the day and African slaves would cry out, God, just we can't wait for heaven. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And they would sing the songs and they would shape them into prayers. And they would say, uh, I looked over Jordan and what did I see coming for to carry me home? And a band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. And they prayed and they cried out, God, we long to get free. We have nothing to look forward to in this life, but we have a glory in heaven that outweighs all of this. Well, those times are gone. And nobody, I submit, nobody's praying like that anymore. Today, uh, the, 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 the idea of heaven has really lost its appeal for most people. That's because we don't live under that kind of persecution. We don't live with problems. We live a pretty good life. In fact, half of the world would look at us and say, you guys live in heaven. And yet, we're bored to death with 250 channels and nothing's on. <laughs> and, and it's like, what do you want to do? Nothing. Where do you want to go? I don't know. You excited about heaven? Well, you know, I mean, what can we do forever and ever that wouldn't just be boring? And so we've settled for cloud sitting and for harp playing and some endless sing-along that goes on and on and on forever and ever and ever, kind of like a weekend with the in-laws in Kokomo, you know. (laughs) Have you ever spent a weekend in Kokomo? You know what I'm talking about, you know. So... I want to introduce to you a friend of mine I brought uh, to the service today, and he's coming out. Uh, I want to introduce to you, uh, he's a little guy. Uh, this is Jaws, everybody. And um, actually, actually, my hope was, was that he would make it through all the services today. Walmart has this special, you know, three days, no questions asked. I just want him to live <laughs> through the rest of this service. And you know what I found out? This is actually Jaws 2, because... Jaws 1 is already in the afterlife, apparently. (laughs) He didn't make it. I guess somebody ran out and got me, you know, Jaws 2. I mean, don't you feel bad for that? I mean, your whole life in a fishbowl, and you know the little guy was not created for that. I mean, you just look at that, and you know, know, if he could talk, he would be telling you something. He would say, I wish for something beyond this glass. I wish there was more than just, you know, the environment that I'm in. And, And he would say, I was built... For something beyond the bowl. And, and God has built you for something bigger than just this. You're made for something way more than just this life. And you see, Satan is the father of all lies, the scripture says. And he is a liar. He's a good liar. And, and, and uh, the greatest lies he tells 
are about heaven. And our whole culture has kind of bought into this. I mean, take a look. This is just Starbucks. This is, this is just, you know, an epitome of our culture today. Take a look at this incredible statement. Heaven is totally overrated. Seems boring. Clouds, listening to people play the harp. Should be somewhere you can't wait to go, like a luxury hotel. Maybe the blue skies and the soft music were enough to keep people in line in the 17th century. But heaven has to step it up a bit. They're basically getting by because they only have to be better than hell. Or Kokomo. (laughs) You know. No, just kidding. I mean, you're created for something so much more. And so the lie is just that, you know, this is all that there is. Focus on the now. And yet the scriptures say, no eye has seen. No ear has heard or or the heart has not even imagined what God has in store for those who love him. And this has been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And so you can't even begin to imagine life beyond the bowl. You, You only see the now. We've got these little glimpses, but God is saying your mind can't even begin to grasp what you're really, really made for. And he doesn't just stop there. The sentence continues. He says, and, and this has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And so what that means is, is that throughout the scripture, the Holy Spirit has revealed these glimpses of what heaven is really like. And it should excite us and it should motivate us and, and we should be thrilled at what it's going to be like. I'm going to give you about seven of these glimpses today as we go through this really quickly. So grab your outline, take a look at this and follow along with these scriptures and write these down because I want to combat the idea that you're just living for today. And Jaws, I hope you make it through the rest of this service. Otherwise, we're going to have a funeral here. But go ahead and find your outline, and let's talk about this. Let's start with a common reference point. If we're going to talk about heaven, what are we really talking about? Okay, so do you know what the number one word in the New Testament is for heaven? You know what it is? It's paradise. That's the word. If you go through the New Testament, the word paradise, it's over and over again. Now, what do you think of now when I say the word paradise? Now, when I grew up, I grew up, some of you guys know this, I grew up in the Caribbean, I grew up in St. Lucia in the West Indies, this little island. This is where I grew up. This is, I grew up five minutes from this beach right here. Go ahead and put that picture up on the screen. There it is right there. I learned to swim right there. And that's VG Beach in in St. Lucia. And uh, it's, it's literal paradise. And this was just the beach close to our house. Let me show you the next picture. This was our day trip beach. This is Sioux Frere Beach. And uh, people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go there. And I grew up in this beautiful island. I mean, literal paradise, right? Wouldn't you like to be there right now? Come on. Now, here's the question. When I said heaven, why didn't you think of that? Why doesn't your mind go there? So so the first thing we're going to clear up, number one, write this down, that heaven is a place of vivid color and spectacular beauty. It is literal paradise. It's not nothingness. It's not clouds. It's not just, you know, know, we're going to be in some ethereal existence. I mean, look at what Randy Alcorn has to say. In this book, Heaven, that, that, that you can pick up in the lobby, all the small group leaders got this. Um, Listen to what he has to say. Satan need not convince us that heaven doesn't exist. He just needs to convince us that heaven is a place of boring, unearthly existence. If we believe that lie, we will be robbed of our joy and anticipation. We'll set our minds on this life and not the next because we think heaven is like a, you know, not that great. 
but heaven is a place of spectacular beauty. Look at this passage in uh, Revelation chapter 22. And as you're going there, let me set this up. Uh, in, in, in the beginning, God created man to live in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis, it describes the, an unspoiled paradise. In the middle of that was a tree of life. And it was incredible and it was beautiful. I mean, just, just think of, uh, of every color of the spectrum, vivid greens, vivid blues, and everything else in between just amped up about 100 times than you've ever seen. It was paradise, unspoiled. But Satan tempted, and people sinned, and paradise was lost. And so you go to the book of Revelation, and it's a story of paradise found. And, and John the, the, is writing this revelation he received. Look at what he describes. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Now, think about that. It's not then just one tree. With it, 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Picture thousands and thousands of trees of life, a whole orchard of the trees of life on either side of the river. And it's just a spectacular, beautiful place with, with a new crop of fruit every month. And why so much? Well, think of all the people that will be there. And God is providing food, and, and he's providing life. And this is only a glimpse and we can't even understand how the leaves will be for the healing of the nations. But my point is, is that it is not clouds. It's not nothingless. It is a place of spectacular, vivid, refreshing beauty. And if we've ever thought a paradise on earth is good, this is going to be beyond, beyond. Number two, it's not just what we see. It's a place of incredible, breathtaking sounds and emotions. It's not just going to be what you see. It's what you're going to hear and what you're going to feel. None other than the Apostle Paul had an encounter where he was caught up into heaven, into paradise, and he tries to describe in, in his letter what it felt like and what it sounded like. And, and he's trying to be humble, but listen to what he said. I was caught up to paradise. I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 4. No humans, not even allowed to... T I mean, I couldn't even get my tongue to wrap around what I, I saw. For 14 years, I couldn't even speak about it if you keep reading the chapter. So... Think about the best concert you've ever been to. Think about how you felt and how you just wanted it to go on. I, I went to one of those several years ago up at what's now called the Klipsch Music Center, and it was an incredible, the best concert I've ever been to, me and my whole family, and uh, it just kept getting better and better, and every song just got more exciting, and people were standing and cheering and clapping and singing along, and the artists came all out in the middle of everything, and people went crazy, and, and uh, it, it just built and built until this incredible ending where suddenly there was the song, and then there was the explosions and the lights and the fireworks, and then it all went dark, and it was pitch, it was total silence for a split second, and then... And there was just this incredible explosion of applause and screaming and yelling and, and people didn't want it to stop and eventually the artists come back for the encore and everybody went crazy and it was awesome. And then after that was over, nobody wanted to leave. Everybody just stayed like in the place going, that was so awesome. I, I just, I don't want to even go home. Well, a few days later, somebody who, a friend of mine who wanted to be at the concert said, tell me what it was like. And I struggled. I was going, it was awesome. No, 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 tell me what it was like. It was incredible. Um, 
and I'm trying to describe. People were standing and going, whoa, and he's looking at me like, I don't get it. You know, what are you talking about? I'm going, I, I can't put it into words what I felt and what I, you just had to be there. Well, so this is what, this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. I, I can't explain what I heard. I can't even wrap my tongue around it, and he's not the only one. All the New Testament writers who had a vision of heaven struggle with trying to express what it's really like. And, and, and John tries in the book of Revelation to explain what he felt and what he heard. You know, this, this great wedding celebration of the Lamb where, where Jesus is going to, the groom is going to be married to his bride, the church, you know, which is all of us. You ever been at a wedding? You ever seen how people are just, the, the couple, the bride and the groom, they're so... Um, uh, excited and they're so nervous and they're sweating and there's just all this anticipation. Well, imagine millions of us just waiting. We're gathered waiting for Jesus to appear. And uh, we're just all nervous and we're talking. We can't believe we're there. And suddenly Jesus steps out in all of his glory and his splendor, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I think for a split second, it's going to be silent and like the breath is going to go right out of our lungs. But then within seconds, there's going to be this mighty Whoa, and people are going to praise God, and they're going to scream, and they're going to yell, and they're going to, it's just going to be awesome. Well, John, I think, is trying to describe that moment. Look what he says in Revelation chapter 19. I heard what sounded like, and he's trying to get the words for it, like this vast, the shout of a vast crowd. No, no, it was greater than that. It was like the roar of an incredible, uh, mighty ocean wave. No, not even that is enough. It was like the crash of loud thunder. I'm not getting through. It was so loud. I felt it so strongly. I can't even describe to you what it felt like and what we heard. But let me tell you what they were saying. Praise the Lord. For the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and the bride that he's prepared. I mean, people are going to be... It's not going to be about the streets of gold and, and, uh, and all that's great, but it's going to be Jesus is there. And that's why, why Paul would write to, uh, to the Philippians. He would say... I know it's good for me to be with you, and I know that I should stay and help you, but let me tell you, I, I am longing. It is so much better for me, literally much, much more better that I should be absent with this body and go and be present with the Lord because what I saw was so amazing. Amen, Pastor Darren. That was good. Keep telling us. It was good. Come on. Is Josh still alive? Is that what happened? No, you guys, you guys need to realize it's going to be not just about everything else. Jesus will be there, and every longing of our heart is going to be fulfilled. And we're not going to be alone. That's the third thing about heaven. Heaven will be a place of, write this down, unbelievable reunions with all of our loved ones and friends and family that's gone on. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 tells us, Paul writes, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we, don't, we want you to know what happens to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. And this is part of the blessed hope that, that we who believe, we don't just die, that, that when the loved one dies and, and they're, they're a believer in Christ, that, that they're not, it's not goodbye. It's just see you later. 
And this is incredible hope. And people often wonder, are we going to be able to recognize people in heaven? Absolutely. Yes, we are. Because in Matthew chapter 17, when Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus and the disciples, they had absolutely no trouble recognizing who Elijah and Moses were, even though they'd never really even seen them or saw a picture. But they just, they knew exactly by the description who they were. And we're going to recognize our loved ones in heaven. And the reunion is going to be incredible. People say, well, are animals going to be in heaven? And I always say, well, yes, dogs, yes, cats, no. You know, no, I'm just joking. And I'm just joking. (laughs) You know, Isaiah does say that, uh, you know, the lion and the lamb will be there. And, you know, maybe there's little baby lions, which are like little cats, you know. So maybe cats will be there. And, uh, you know, there will be wolves. And it talks about wolves. And and it talks about uh, horses. I mean, there's so many references. There will be you know, Isaiah talks about horses in heaven. I don't know if you know that. So, so there's going to be animals in heaven. And, and my wife says there's no crying in heaven. So that definitely means our little penny is going to be in heaven, you know. And I don't know. We just have these glimpses. But, but, you know, God has wired us to long for reunion. And I think that if it, our happiness depends on it, we're, we're going to be reunited with the ones that we love in heaven. That's what's going to be true. And I've got some, some people that I love on the other side. My grandfather and my grandmother are there. My grandfather had such an influence on my life. And I miss him every day. And I can't wait to see him. And I know that he can't wait to see me. I, I, I imagine if he could write us a postcard and, and write me a You know what he would say? Darren, it really is paradise. And Jesus is here. And I miss you like crazy and get here quickly. <laughs> and I'm praying even so. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I mean, I want to see him. That's part of the joy. You see, heaven is going to be a place of incredible reunion and incredible joy. And, and when we see our loved ones again and when we see Jesus. And, and, you know, maybe you've never had relationships like that. Maybe you've never felt that kind of a love for somebody else. Or maybe you felt wounded by the people that should have loved you. Or maybe you've never really, you know, just been lonely your whole life. And the Bible talks about heaven in Revelation 7 of being this incredible place of connection and community and love like you've never experienced. People from every part of the world, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every background are going to come together in one people. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here, right? I mean, this is, if heaven's going to be like that, that's what we're trying to do here on earth today. And it's so beautiful. And I think it honors God so much. Let's get the party started right now. And you see, heaven is a place of great reward and reunion. And, and, and here's the, another thing you probably didn't think about. But number four, heaven is a place of intellectual growth and fascinating discovery. I know some of you think it's going to be boring, but you will never run out of things to learn. You'll never run out of things to be in awe about or, or just, wow. I mean, look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at this carefully. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of the great love by which he loved us, even when we were, you know, sinful and we were lost in our own trespasses, he made us alive in Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up together. And then he flips to the future of what it's going to be like and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at this, verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Look at this. That in the ages to come, he might show. That means progressive, ongoing discovery. That means that God is going to be continuing uh, to reveal things to us as we are in heaven. That means that we're going to keep learning and we're going to keep growing. And, you know, I only use a part of my brain 
right now, just a little bit, and we all just use a fraction of it, and in heaven we'll have full mental capacity, and uh, our intellects will be sharp, and think of all the things that we're going to be able to learn. I mean, think of, of, of being able to take leadership classes from Moses. Think about taking courage classes from Dr. Martin Luther King. Think about taking skateboarding lessons from Steve Arterburn. Don't laugh. I think he's going to be there. No. Um, um, think about all the questions you've wanted to ask God and you didn't have any answers for. Like, God, what about this whole predestination thing? I mean, kind of explain that to me. That makes my brain hurt. And, and talk to me about why you didn't just get rid of Satan from the beginning. Like, why, why did you let him stick around? And, and, and how about 9-11? What was the purpose of that? And how did that fit into your plan? And imagine listening to all the angels and, and Michael the archangel talking about spiritual battles that happened on our behalf. And we didn't even know what was going on. We're like, what? And God's going to explain it all to us. Think about uh, tragedy and think about hurtful things and stuff we didn't even know on this earth. And God says, you see darkly now, but in a while you're going to know it all. I'm going to reveal it to you. That's amazing. Think about how you'll continue to grow in your learning, how you'll never run out of stuff. You know um, that, that the universe is expanding, scientists tell us, every day. It's just expanding outward. And they've discovered millions and millions of galaxies already. And every day they discover more. And the Milky Way is just, just a small galaxy, and we're in the smallest part of it. You're never going to run out of worlds to explore. I want to see the Orion Nebula with my own eyes. And you know, and the God who created Rocky Mountains... And, um, you know, the Great Barrier Reef, and I've scuba dived in some of the greatest places in the world. You can spend hours on about a square foot and never run out of things to explore. And you'll be able, I think about God who created penguins and platypuses and everything in between and species we haven't even discovered yet. There's this doctor, Jim Brown, who is at the IU School of Medicine just down the road, and he's very famous. And you know what he wrote? He, I mean, he studied the kidney for 17 years. For 17 years, he studied the kidney. And you know what he, he writes? He says, there is more that we don't know about the kidney than what we do know. He's been studying it for 17 years. <laughs> and it's the simplest of all the human, the major organs. So we're never going to run out of stuff that we're going to learn. It's going to be fascinating. And we're going to grow. And there's going to be discovery. And I'm so, I'm so excited about that. And it says in, in heaven, we're not just going to be laying around drinking, you know, I mean, the idea of us just laying around forever drinking a pina colada. Come on. There's got to be more than that, right? And so let me give you the fifth one. A place of purpose and productivity and rewards and accomplishment. I mean, there's got to be that. If we're going to go to heaven, I can't just be sitting around. There's got to be stuff to do. And the scripture says that, that each person is going to be rewarded according to what they've done. Look at this. Matthew 25, check this out on the screen. To those of you who have been faithful, the master will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Other translation says, so enter into the joy of your Lord. He's talking about heaven, but that's a universal principle of life. You're faithful in little stuff. You know, students, you're faithful with the little responsibilities now. That'll open up doors for you in the future. And whatever you do now, if you do it well, it's gonna be, you're going to be granted more responsibility. So God is looking at us. This life is just preparation for eternity. And what we do now matters. And so anytime you've endured and you've been faithful and you stayed the course, God says, I'm watching. I'm going to reward you. Anytime that you sacrificed and you gave generously, God says, I'm going to reward you. Anytime that you humbly served, God's going to say, I saw that. 
I, I never missed one time. Maybe nobody else saw it. You thought you were doing it. And people were taking it for granted. God says, I recorded every one of those acts, even the cup of cold water in my name. And I'm going to reward you in heaven. Well, what's the reward? What, what, like a crown or something? What, what do you mean? No, it's responsibility. The scripture is very clear that he's going to give you responsibility commensurate to your faithfulness here on earth. And the scriptures talk about how we are going to rule and reign with him in heaven. The scripture talks about that we're going to make important decisions and we're going to work productively. Revelation 7 and Revelation 22 says that we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to be his, his servants. And 1 Corinthians 6, 3 says that you will govern angels. You're not going to become an angel and grow wings when you go to heaven. Those are totally different beings. But the scripture talks how you're going to actually govern and administrate and and lead angels. Mind-blowing glimpse of heaven. Now, some of the times in the Bible it talks about heaven being a place of rest, which which is important if, if you know, you're, you're exhausted or, or you've, you've been persecuted and you need that. But, but here's the thing. It also talks about it will be a place where you're not just laying around. You're going to be doing productive things. You're going to have projects and work. And you see, if you, if, if you don't like work, you're just doing the wrong stuff. God has gifted you for, for things that you will enjoy and you'll thrive. And, you know, some of the work that we do now, even won't, it won't even be in heaven. Like, there's no death in heaven, so there's not going to be any funeral directors in heaven, Right? I mean, there's no tooth decay in heaven, so there's no dentists in heaven. I mean, they'll be there, but, you know, not, not you know, like, <laughs> dentists. They're probably, like, buffing the pearly gates, you know, or drilling on the streets of gold or something like that, but not, not in my mouth anymore, you know. So, I mean, we're, we're going gonna, gonna, to, we're going to have work that's going to, it's going to matter, and it's, it's going to be fulfilling. Heaven, uh, heaven's going to be a place of amazing sights and sounds. And it's going to be a place of reunion and fasting, discovery and growth and productivity and rewards. And sometimes the Bible writers run out of, of adjectives to describe what it's going to be like. And so they start to use words of what's not going to be there. Like what John wrote in Revelation 21. He says, God himself will be there. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death and no more sorrow, no more crying no more pain. These things are gone forever. And that's the sixth point, that heaven is a place free from sorrow and free from pain and free from death. And that's good news because there's so much of that in this world. Aren't you tired of it? Some of you live with physical pain in your body every day. And in heaven, there's going to be no more arthritis, no more Advil, no more statins, uh, no more counting calories, praise God. Um, (laughs) But, but the deaf will hear for the first time, and the blind are going to see, and people who are paralyzed, they're going to they're gonna run and, and walk, and, and all of our children will be healthy and whole and have able bodies and able minds. It's going to be so wonderful. And some of you who live with the emotional scars of all the trauma, and you have nightmares, and, and there's all kinds of junk that just keeps you awake, all that's going to be gone. There's going to be no more anxious waiting rooms and no more um, bloated stomachs, no more empty tissue boxes, no more um, uh, um, uh, motionless ultrasounds, no more tiny caskets, all the things that just break our hearts, gone forever. And did you notice what what the Bible said about who's going to wipe away the tears from our eyes? This is incredible. The same hands that carve the mountains... 
the same little fingers that reached up out of the manger, the, the same uh, hands that touched sick people and healed them, the same hands that were nailed to a cross are going to wipe away the tears from your eyes. That is amazing. We're going to have such stories to tell. I think, I think if it wasn't for all I have, and I think just, sitting, just telling the stories of what God's done for us, that's going to be amazing. That's the last thing I want to leave you with. Heaven is going to be a place of amazing stories. You'll never get bored. In fact, you're going to be shocked at the people you meet in heaven. <laughs> in fact, um, one of my favorite stories about Jesus is it's just the one where he's on the cross and there's these two guys on either side hanging there with him. And they're both criminals. They're horrible. They're, they've done something so bad to deserve death. And, uh, you know, one of them starts railing at Jesus. Like, you know, you say you're the Christ, get us off this cross, you know, mocking him. And the other guy's like, wait, to the other, don't you fear God? I mean, we deserve what we got. He says it. We are receiving the just penalty for the sins we committed which is one of the only times in all history at an execution where the person says, yep, I did it, I deserve this. And, and this guy's going, we know, we did it, but not this guy, I mean, not Jesus. And he, he, he talks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, I say unto you today, you will be with me in paradise. And so Jesus, you know, dies, and then this guy's still hanging around for a couple of hours, but eventually he dies too. And that day, he was with Jesus in paradise. Now, can you imagine this guy in heaven for like a couple thousand years now, people coming up to him and going, what are you doing here? And how did you get in? And how do you, what did you do to deserve? I mean, you were like this, you know, jailhouse last minute. I mean, what did you, how do you get to heaven? And he's going, I know. <laughs> I don't get, I mean, shaking my head, I don't understand. Like, have you seen this place? And he's just in awe. And he's just, yeah, he's going to tell his story. And he's going to be like, you know, I mean, we were caught. We did it. We, we did bad things. And they were, out, they were taking me to my execution. And how fortunate should I be that on my way to my death, that the guy that's right next to me, I mean, within talking distance that I can talk to is Jesus. I mean, how lucky am I? that Jesus came my way. And uh, I mean, you know, they were, I'm dying, and uh, they're mocking, I'm watching them, you know, he's not resisting, and he's not fighting them. And, and, and uh, when we were mocking him, and the soldiers were mocking him, he's going, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, and it blew my mind. And I don't even know how I know, but suddenly I realized, he, he, he's not just a man, he's the son of God. I had a revelation. And I knew how guilty I was, and I knew all the things I'd done, and I knew I didn't even deserve it. I didn't even know what to pray, but I just said, I, I know who you are, and will you remember me? And um, he said, yes. And here I am. And he remembered me, and, and I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It makes no sense. But am I so grateful to be here? And see, that's going to be all our story anyway, right? All of us are going to be shaking our heads going, what in the world did I do? deserve nothing. I mean, none of us can keep our own standards, let alone that of a holy God. I mean, we know what we've done. We know the things that we've done to offend God. And here's, here's Jesus giving his life for us and saying, I want you to enter into the joy that I've prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And we're just going to shake our heads and say, what are we doing here? I'm so glad he never gave up on me. Aren't you going to say that when you get to heaven? I'm so glad he never gave up on me. Are you guys ready for heaven?
And the good news is, is that anybody can go. I mean, you don't have to be afraid of death. People who are afraid of death are wasting time because Jesus said, I want everybody to come. I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come. And uh, he, he, says, uh, he says that whoever believes in me will have eternal life. And he atoned for your sin and mine on that cross. So he, he is longing for people to respond to him. And here's how simple it is, really. It takes an honest moment. The criminal on the cross had one of the most honest moments in all history. I'm, I'm dead. I'm guilty. I know I don't deserve this. But I know who he is. He's God and I'm not. And he believed. And on the basis of that belief and like surrendering his will, the Lord said, I'll give you the gift of eternal life. And that's good news. And for some of you today, I mean, you just need to believe that. And you say, well, how do I believe that? That's the gift of faith. And if you'll just pray today, God, I'm willing. I want to believe. And uh, you're willing to, to say, you know what? I am guilty. I'm sorry for for not even holding up my end of the bargain, for trying to play God, for trying to be God and control it. I mean, if you'll just admit that, and then you'll say, um, Jesus Christ, you are my God. From this day forward, I'll follow you. He promises to give you eternal life and to give you a home in heaven. And then from this day forward, you don't live, you don't live like this guy anymore. And you just don't think that this life is all that there is. And you start living in anticipation of, of what's to come. And you look at all the insults and the injuries and all the people that, are, you know, that you haven't forgiven and all that stuff, and it's going to be so small in light of all that heaven's going to be. And you start to say, Lord, come quickly. And God, I'm going to live in the light of eternity. Are you ready to do that today? Ready to do that? All right, let me, let me close. Let me pray for you. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Father, I pray that you'd open up our hearts and give every person a reality, not only of heaven, but what your son has done for them. Right now, will you just simply say, yes, God, that's me. It's my prayer. I, I believe that you're God. I'm sorry for my sin, and I'm ready to follow you from this day forward. If that's you, say, yes, God, that's me. Holy Spirit, draw every person to you. Give them the gift of eternal life. Forgive their sins. May today be the beginning of a whole new life. And give every person in this room a, a revelation and an incredible, blessed hope of heaven. I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.